Welcome back to Word of God. We're three English majors who have set out to analyze Supernatural now that it's done to figure out what was it supposed to be, what did it become, and how. I'm Ash, the old-time fan. My pronouns are vvim or it its, and you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ashcommaman. I'm Emma, the latecomer. My pronouns are she, her, and they, them. You can follow me on Tumblr at LazarusEmma. I'm Wyatt, the newcomer. My pronouns are he, him. You can follow me on Twitter at ToppleThrones. And you can follow the show on Twitter and Tumblr at Word of Godcast. Uh, content warnings for this episode, follow. Content warnings for this episode include throat slitting, home invasion, the death penalty, drugs, dirty cops, police brutality, extrajudicial killing, overdose, murder, dehumanization, hallucinations, mutilation, and dog attacks, suicide slash death after jumping from a building, possession, hanging, animal sacrifice, cultural appropriation, the demonization of black and African diaspora spirituality, and the use of racist terminology in the title of a book. If you'd like us to warn for something we don't already flag, you can reach us through our ask box on Tumblr or shoot an email to wordofgodcast at gmail.com. All right. Yeah, today we are talking about uh, episodes, uh, season two episodes, uh, seven usual suspects and uh, eight. Uh, be- no, that's not Crossword right. Crossword Blues. Crossroad Blues, yeah, the name of the song. I was like, Beyond the Crossroads, the name of the book that I've been reading for the past hour and a half. <laughs> we got a big folklore corner today, everybody. Um, okay, uh, episode seven, Usual Suspects, uh, written by Catherine Humphreys. So we start with a absolutely excellent recap that's a really funnily edited together montage of all the times the boys lied about who they were. It's really uh, good. It's great. Shoutouts to whoever edited that. It's really funny. Uh, and we open on a police station, uh, cutting back and forth between the police station and some cops converging on a motel. In the police station, a cop interrogates someone who is pretty obviously Dean, though we don't see him. And at the motel, the cops break open the door and point guns at Sam. Uh, really good cold open. Love the way they cut back and forth between those two things. Um, so Sam gets arrested. He's in an interrogation room. Uh, talking to a cop who played Linda Blair, who is the girl from The Exorcist, uh, who I will be calling Linda Cop from now on because I forgot what her name is. Um, Diana. And uh, Diana. Okay, well, we'll see. Linda we'll Cop's see if better. I remember that. <laughs> um, anyway, she knows all about him and tells him that Dean's been arrested for suspicion of murder. Uh, Sam is very cheerfully angry in this scene. Uh, it's really good. He's like, he is not going to snitch on his brother. Um, although he does start telling, like, the fake story that they prepared. Um, and th the way this will be shot is, like, cutting back and forth between the, like, Sam telling the fake story and the actual thing that happened, which is really cool. I'm just gonna tell the thing that happened. Um, so yeah, uh, the, what happened is, uh, the brothers found, uh, this dude, Tony Giles, uh, whose throat was slit. Uh, the completely clean room, no DNA, no prints. Uh, Sam's lie about this is that he was a friend of their dad. Um, and also in the scene, the boys argue about who Scully is among them, and it's very cute. Mm -hmm. uh, they go see Karen, Tony's wife, and learn that Tony had been working late and that he had a weird nightmare about a pale woman with dark red eyes standing at the foot of his bed. Uh, but nothing more than that. Um, also here, Sam lies about Karen being their friend, which feels like a silly thing to do, considering the cops could just go interview her, but whatever. Uh, the boys then go check out the office where Tony died, uh, find a paper with Dana Schultz written all over it, and Dean, of course, makes a Shining reference. 
Uh, Dean goes back to check on Karen, and we learn in the present uh, that Karen died. Um, like, we are told already that she's dead, so we know something wrong is going to happen in the scene. Um, and they all think Dean did it. Uh, and we see Karen get murdered by a uh, spooky woman, uh, maybe. We'll see. That will be complicated later, but the show frames it like that uh, in this very tense scene. Dean finds her corpse uh, and the printout of more Dana Shulps, and then the cops show up to arrest him, and we're back in present time, and we'll be moving forward with no more flashbacks from here on. Uh, the cops are grumpy that their stories are identical. They're very professional. Um, also, uh, uh, Linda Cop is dating the other cop, whose name is Pete. We get a good scene of our brothers both simultaneously trying to figure out what Dana Shulps means, and then Dean gets to see his lawyer. Uh, Dean recruits the lawyer to help them solve the case and is utterly unconcerned about the death penalty. Linda Cop is typing up a report, and then her computer fills with Dana Shulps, and then it disappears, which is a really cool thing. The lawyer brings Sam the receipt uh, that, like, dean wrote on uh like the anagrams and stuff um and is then called back because dean wants to give his confession uh he tells the cops about the vengeful spirit that they're looking for they don't believe him um but uh during this he does bring up dana shulps and linda cop is like huh hmm and then while this is happening sam slips out the back window I wasn't sure if that was what their plan was, like if Dean was distracting all the cops with his confession, but I don't know how they would have coordinated that. So well, I guess Sam's just an opportunist. Oh, right, it's the Great Escape. It's the Great yeah. Escape reference that he makes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was their plan. Uh, that's the, the so little good. note he leaves Sam is, uh, is he, calls, he calls Sam... Hilt. Yeah, he calls Sam Hilt and himself two McQueen. McQueen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is the hint he gives Sam to be like, hey, break out. <laughs> he tried to break out. I, li I like just caught that that's why he did that. <laughs> I thought he was just being cute. Um, anyway, Linda Cop gets haunted by a ghost in the bathroom because of course she does, uh, and it freaks her out, and she goes to talk to Dean. Um, Dean contradicts here what, he lear what we learned about ghosts from the Reaper back in 2-1, but whatever, I guess. Uh, Linda Cop has a mark on her wrist, and it's the same one Karen and Tony had. Uh, Dean tells her where to find Sam because he can save her life, and she goes to do that. Um, finding Sam, she tells him about the ghost, and he gives her a bunch of photos to look through to see if he can see if she can recognize the ghost. And they discover that it's a woman named Claire Becker who disappeared eight months ago. She was she was arrested a couple times for dealing heroin, but doesn't have any connection to the cop other than that. Uh, they go check out the last known location to find her bones. It's this spooky abandoned building uh, that they look around, and then the cop runs into the ghost. It seems like she's trying to tell them something, and they realize she was trying to say the name of the store with that anagram. Uh, and behind the like brick wall where the faded leather, mm, where the faded letters project, they like dig her body out of the wall. Uh, Sam finds this very confusing because vengeful spirits don't usually want to be exercised. When they pull the body out, the mark on the wrists are the same marks that showed up on everyone else. Also, she and the cop have the same necklace, which is interesting. This necklace was bought by her partner, who, as I mentioned previously, she's romantically involved with. Sam then realizes Claire's not killing anyone. She's warning people about the other cop, Pete. Pete apparently stole some heroin, uh, like, some time ago. And Sam and the cop realized that he needed Claire to be the go-between, and he killed her to hide the evidence because she was going to snitch. Um, 
Then we cut to Pete transferring Dean in a cop car that he's very obviously taking about to kill him. Uh, Sam's a smart detective boy and figures out they can track Pete with the car's low jack. Pete, meanwhile, stops the car and is going to kill Dean, but Sam and Linda Cop show up and try to stop him. Claire, uh, Tony, and Karen were all going to snitch on him, so he killed them all. He uh, confesses here. Pete wants to pin the whole thing on Dean. Uh, he, he, it seems like he's starting to convince Linda Cop, but she shoots him in the leg. Uh, they tussle, he gets back up, he's gonna shoot one of them, uh, but then Claire shows up, frightens him, distracts him, and Linda Cop shoots him in the chest. Uh, in the denouement, she asks them about Claire, and the boys say Claire's probably at rest now, uh, and then she lets them go and tells Dean where his car is. Uh, she wants them out there doing what they do best, and off they go, and they make a funny little exorcist reference at the end here. And that's the episode. Yeah, that sure was. Yeah, the first thing I want to say uh, is this framing device was really funny to me because I remember uh, watching True Detective back when it was airing that does a similar thing to this, and it blew my mind when it did that. I was like, oh, this is such a cool thing to do. Uh, meanwhile, Supernatural did it like a decade before. <laughs> Not quite that long before. Like True Detective like plays a with its genre. 2014 like, this show. is a cop procedural episode in yeah. Like, yeah. Camp Monster of the Week show. Yeah, no, that's my first It's really fun. opens like a cop show. Yeah. Well, technically, the first shot is of, like, a man of color handcuffed in the station. Which yeah, is how you know it's, it's a cop show. Which is how you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I also liked that Dean and Sam, for at least the first half of this episode, were not the point-of-view characters. Um, it was, it, <laughs> I'm gonna keep calling her Linda Cop. It was her and her partner, like, we had a bunch of scenes of them... Uh, like talking to each other and being like, who are these guys? Mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was pretty cool. It's yeah. like they were the protagonists for at least the part of this while we were inhabiting the genre of police procedural rather than Monster of the Week show. It's interesting because um, I, despite the fact that I hate cops, I watch <laughs> a lot of cop procedurals because they're very easy watch. Yeah. Uh, and also because usually the protagonists are hot. Um, <laughs> so like this whole time I was using that as like an, a referential ankle anchor mm -hmm. and it's really interesting how even though we have uh, Diana and P as our like protagonists quote unquote or as our point of view characters they're still framed like as the antagonists like, yeah and I think because Supernatural is not a cop show and because the boys are by definition, against cops because they do illegal things all the time for mm -hmm. the quote-unquote greater good, it's much easier for Supernatural to leave, lean into kind of like the dirty cop angle. Um, mm -hmm. And like, obviously Pete is, you know, he ends up being like the dirty cop who killed people and broke the rules and stuff like that. Um, but he also like, he's obviously doing something kind of unprofessional and dating his partner and mm -hmm. he assaults Dean in the middle of an interrogation, and he's just kind of a general dickhead. Um, so the the show really leans into making, at least in the first half, Diana eventually you kind of start sympathizing with her a little bit more as she gets less of a cop and becomes more of an ally. Um, but the show really is able to lean into this framing of, like, the cops are the bad guys and the cops are unlikable. Mm -hmm. Um which I think yeah, at the, most at the end of the can't do. At the end of the episode, Sam yeah. says, uh, nice lady, and Dean says, for a cop. Yeah. 
But yeah, like, it's funny. Both of the sympathetic cops in this show so far have been women. It was it's uh, Diana and yeah. uh, I forget her name from um, the most dangerous the game episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Benders. And both times they like work together on a case, and then the woman go, the woman cop goes, "Oh, you guys are so good at your job. Yeah. I will let you go." And I will let you go. Escaped. Yeah, very mm-hmm. similar ending uh, mm-hmm. to the Benders. Yeah, and the cop is the one who does the murder in both uh, episodes yep. as well. Yeah, so the boys still, too. boys still haven't killed a person. Um, well, yeah. by by their definition of people, I should say. Yes, <laughs> they've definitely killed people. Well, there was that... the guy that Dean shot when he was possessed by a demon, but that was killing That's a demon true. and with collateral damage. So yeah, they haven't yeah. directly yeah. killed a human being with no supernatural. Yes. Yes. Uh, or even someone that was questionably human, like Max or uh, right. Ansem. Mm. No, what? Well, because they were Sam mirrors, they're they're closer to being human than other human people. It's so complicated, but you know. Uh huh. I, mean. <laughs> I mean, okay. So back to the very beginning. I like yeah. how obviously it's going to be Dean that they're talking about because this is the Dean show. It could be uh-huh. Sam, but it's not. Um, but even like. Even though it's obvious, um, I like how they, like, build the clues of, like, listing how many possible ideas he has, mentioning grave yeah. desecration, and then, like, they say you died in St. Louis, and it's like, okay, so this is Dean. It's not some random criminal who happens to have a similar pattern. Like, this could be introducing a different hunter, but it's like, no, it is Dean. And then mm-hmm. you get to see it. it's him. Yeah, next episode has an immediate callback to this with uh, Sam apparently not having a crit- criminal record, which is really funny. We'll get to mm-hmm. that. It's in my synopsis. Yeah. When Sam meets Linda Cop and she starts trying to ask him questions or whatever, he immediately goes, okay, so you're the good yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, where's the bad cop? And uh, she says, it's like with your brother. Yeah. Um, yeah, all of the banter between Sam and Linda Blair's character uh, is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Linda Blair does a great job in this role. I, I don't know if she's ever like played a cop in something before but she like really like does it she really felt like the protagonist of her own show yeah like a convincing looks like she mostly does horror character. movies yeah um, she also reminds me i was trying to figure out if i knew her from anything else and i don't think so i was like does she do voice work maybe i think it's just that she sounds like um i just completely forgot the name from brooklyn 99 Wunch. Oh. Wunch, i got it she reminds me of Wunch mm. from brooklyn 99 that's it yeah, I mentioned she has a very she's a very like recognizable face. Mm-hmm. Like for for if you've watched horror movies, it's like, oh yeah, that's Linda Blair. Yeah. But uh yeah, I don't think she does too much stuff outside of horror things. No. Nope, which like Supernatural's really. horror adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> it tries to be horror a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Listen, the some of the stuff like the some of the effects next episode freaked me out. Yeah. Mm, next no, episode it was, was real good. good. The next episode has Also the so... ghost in this episode was really good. Claire was uh-huh. a good ghost. Her like permanently slit throat was very spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, the the special effects work in this and the next episode are both really good. Yeah. Which is impressive considering the the CGI required for some of the stuff in the next episode, but we'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. Well, it works. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, back to Linda Cop, where she's like reading off Sam's bio, like just telling him his life story. It's like, why? It's not, I don't think it's good television. Like, we already know everything about Sam. What are you yeah. like recapping it for us? Like, I get that it's supposed it's, to be like, well, okay, so she knows about him, but it, it was not impressive. I was bored. That's, yeah. And I think it's because that's how they do it in cop shows. So I think they were taking that 
and did not think it through of like this is not some random criminal in the cop yeah. show where we already know the cops but not the antagonists so i think that probably was how it happened like they could have skipped ahead and been like oh so the death of your girlfriend must have really fucked you up right like something mm. like that could work to show that she knows him and not waste my time telling me things i already know <laughs> it is wildly interesting to see like what the record of who sam is like is just because like we know what their situation is but like the broader world doesn't know about supernatural stuff so it's interesting to see like what the cops know about sam i guess based yeah, on what fair. they can find Outside in like POV records nice. and like yeah mm -hmm. but it also it does kind of drag <laughs> i don't disagree yeah. with you it's a long yeah. scene uh, then she asks how the how the road trip is going because that's their cover story, right? And he says, yeah. "Oh, it's great. Mm -hmm. We saw the what did he say? The second largest ball of second twine. Second biggest ball of twine. He's so cute. Yeah, Sammy. <laughs> He's moments. such a bitch in this scene. He's really good. This is a good Sam episode. Mm-hmm. It's a good uh, the. I wrote in my notes. It's kind of clear that the person who wrote this episode like simp's for Dean a little bit because he gets to be so badass and coy, he does. but also he Sam really does. gets to be like." super competent and sam is so competent this episode. smart this yeah. is a it's a really good like this is a really good balanced episode uh -huh. for both of the fun things about each of the boys we get a lot of like dean being cocky and a lot of sam being like a detective mm -hmm. yeah yeah they the the person who wrote this episode is very well aware of the character's strengths and wanted to highlight them it worked really well we get some more um continuity from we've been mentioning in the last couple episodes of how like season two is big on like mm -hmm. calling back to previous plot threads and uh, emotional threads and so here we get we promised in one six skin that this would come up again and so we have the continuity of dean being found dead in st louis and having all those murders on his record and now it has mm -hmm. come back to haunt them mm -hmm. and will continue to do so uh i like how or rather it makes me crazy how um Linda Cobb says, it's not your fault, Dean's your brother, and continues, etc., yeah. etc. <gasps> Dean's a bad guy, his life is over, yours doesn't have to be, which is a very cop show thing to say, but, like, in the context yep. of the Winchesters, makes me bang my head on the wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, does she really expect him to snitch on his brother? I guess she, she has to try. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. There are, like, certain assumptions that can be made of, like, someone who's on a road trip with their brother, like, I guess, I was going to say convicted murderer. I guess he wasn't convicted, but, you know, uh, assumed murderer. Mm -hmm. And, like, I, I, I think it's important to, like, think about from the cop's perspective, like, uh, ACAB, but also they do think that Dean tortures and murders women, mm -hmm. which is a kind of per is a is a bad kind of person that maybe should be dealt with like not in a not in the way that the guy in this episode tries to do it but like you know if someone's out there like if they serial killers are bad mm -hmm. and if they I, I like i understand <laughs> and i understand the animosity toward dean by these people like as mm -hmm. i mean pete sucks but like as linda as like a good aligned person in a horrible broken system like i get her animosity toward dean mm -hmm. like as a horrible as an assumed horrible murderer i also get it but it's weird because like the whole first half of this episode i fucking hated both of them like, I knew Pete was a dirty cop because I've seen this episode before, and I knew Linda became more sympathetic, but, like, 
That first scene where she was interviewing Sam, the whole time I was like, I fucking hate you. And I don't know if it's just because (laughs) I've become a radical or if, like, the show is just really good at framing that or if it's because I know she misunderstands Dean and I'm in love with him. Yeah. But, like, the whole time I was like, fuck this person. No, yeah, same. I just also, like, I can can see it from her perspective. I think it's good character writing. I understand. Mm -hmm. I don't think... She's being like quote unquote unreasonable, I guess. Yeah, from her perspective. From her from perspective, outside, as someone who thinks she's doing good, like trying to get a torturer and murderer convicted. Yeah, like if 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 we didn't know that Dean hadn't actually done all those things, yeah. and we saw all of this evidence, circumstantial as it was, we would probably be decently convinced. Well, maybe not by the circumstantial evidence, but. Also, I should say for the record, I still think the way, like, the prison system sucks and the mm-hmm. way that, uh, like, even serial murderers are treated is bad. But also, I don't think that people who are killing people should be out being allowed to continue to do that. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta figure out something new. Mm-hmm. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love how seamlessly the, the boys have their uh, cover story. And yeah, it's it great. Matches down to the last detail. Yeah, they're so grumpy that their stories match completely. Mm-hmm. The cops are, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also really like um, when they're, like, before that, when they're investigating the office and seeing Dana Shelps written everywhere. It's even written onto the glass of the coffee table. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a cool little detail. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where we are in the script at this point, but uh, when they're interrogating Karen... And she's just completely not getting what Dean is trying to get her to to say. Yeah, yeah. Dean's like, "Did you did Tony mention anything you know unusual to you?" And Karen goes, "Unusual." And Dean goes, "Yeah, like strange." And Karen goes, "Strange." And he says, "You know, Karen, weird." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so good. He's so dumb. It it must be hard to keep writing these scenes over and over again because the boys have to talk to people about weird stuff so often. And so I admire any little, like, jokes thrown in or things to be like, okay, the audience knows the beat we have to hit here. Can we, like, still make it entertaining for them? Mm-hmm. Um, back in the office, another win for ADHD Dean. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> when Sam's like, okay, you just got to wait while I hack this password, Dean sits down and persists and con- begins to stim in a way that is very annoying for Sam. Uh-huh. <laughs> Starts making noises with his mouth and like clicking his. Yeah, he tongue. makes little fart noises. <laughs> and Sam yeah. goes, "Dude, seriously." <laughs> yeah, it drives Sam insane. He's so cute and annoying. Uh huh. Affectionate. Shoutouts to different flavors of neurodivergent people who annoy each other by accident. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um. Also in the scene, the subtitles cut out Dean's friggin', which is. Oh, that's really a hate funny. Crime. I mean, he he says there's not a, there's not a D Shulps or any other kind of friggin' Shulps, but the subtitles don't say friggin'. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Let Dean say fuck. Oh, now I wonder if that was an ad lib on Jensen Ackles' part. If uh, if the subtitles are just the script, Maybe. it's possible. We'll never know. Um, a little I have to bit shut later, up my dogs are screaming. Uh, Linda says that they found the motel. When, but because uh, Dean had a matchbook on him, which I love that detail, like the idea that they take matchbooks from the motels they go to because they're constantly burning things. Hey, it's free matchbook. Exactly. Like he needs that. We've discussed Dean and his little lighters. Um, this is 
completely irrelevant, but I find it very funny that the ghost uh, like hacks a fax machine because it's yeah, it's so funny. It's so like, funny. Yes, the, the it's funny. It's also fax. cool. Oh, it's 2006. Actually, it's still November. But still. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I saw the subtitles "fax machine beeps" and I went, "Oh God!" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then Zim puts his fingers all over everything when he finds Karen's body. It's like, bestie, uh-huh. you're making the case against you so watertight. Yeah, they even mentioned that they have like a lot of fingerprint uh, like matches from once. Dean on various various crime scenes, buddy. <sighs> it's I I really like this episode. Is like their their clumsiness coming home to roost, but also mm-hmm. like they still get off fine and will continue to. <laughs> well, well, well. If it isn't the consequences of our own actions. Uh huh. Uh, later when I think it's uh Linda Blair's character. Uh, is like asking Dean how he knows all this stuff. Uh, Dean says, "Time, life, mysteries of the unknown," uh, which are a series of like, it's like an anthology of books uh, that like made from eighty-seven to ninety-one that were like advertised on uh, infomercials. And there are like thirty-three volumes of them. Jeez. So Dean with another fun pop culture reference. I like how Pete says that all he's getting from Dean is wise-ass remarks. That's my boy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I love the the public defense attorney. Uh, he's a fun character. He's so bumbly, and I don't know if that was like I'm trying to remember how like defense attorneys are usually portrayed in cop shows. Not well, usually. Um, it depends usually... on the defense attorney, but yeah, I mean, this guy's a public defender too. He's yeah. not even like a. He's like he's not for. Uh, he's not an expensive lawyer. He's no. a public defender. So he's portrayed as kind of like a dummy mm-hmm. and just kind of like silly and not worth anything, which was entertaining to watch, but I'm also like, hmm. <laughs> just because I feel like lawyers oftentimes get bad raps mm-hmm. because people hate criminals. Oh, on that note... That's n- the- that came out wrong, when- but you know what I mean. <laughs> when he says, if you, uh, Linda Blair... Linda Blair says something about how he knew criminal types, and he goes, it's criminal types? Who is a defense lawyer? I think it's funny, and also, cop show. Cop yeah. show. Yeah, they're really going all out with, like, the cliches in this, because, like, it's... They're leaning into It's the a genre. one-off episode, like, so they can do it. Like, yeah, they, it's I fun. I like when they mm-hmm. poke the borders of, like, what the show is. Yeah, they're having fun with mm-hmm. it, and it's see really it nice. again a few times in, like, different genres. It's fun. It's like um, when Community mm-hmm. does it, also. Mm-hmm, yeah. It shifts into a different style instead of a sitcom. Now it's a war documentary. So like Supernatural turns <laughs> to a cop show. Um, I really like the way the boys find each other. It's a really uh smart plan of like mm-hmm. uh whenever one of them is like missing, what they do is they look uh at the first uh motel or hotel in the yellow pages and look under the name Jim Rockford, which is a reference to a old seventies TV show uh called was it the rockford files yeah the rockford files about a detective named jim rockford that's cute it's a 70s tv show uh which means it existed before they were born uh because they were born in the 80s right Mm -hmm. yeah which means it may have been a show their dad was a fan of Mm -hmm. which is like both like sad and also kind of cute Mm mm-hmm I love how during the confession, Dean says we 
uh, talking about how, like, oh, we think that the ghost is a vengeful spirit, etc., um, even though he hasn't actually been able to directly communicate mm. with Sam. Uh-huh. First of all, it's adorable, but also I'm like, you are incriminating your brother, sir. Shut <laughs> <laughs> the fuck up. Leave him out of this. Uh, in that scene, this is like a classic Dean moment. This is like big in fandom where like he's looking directly into the camera. He goes, my name is Dean Winchester. I'm an Aquarius. I mm. enjoy sunsets, long walks on the <laughs> yeah. beach, and frisky women, and I did not kill anyone. Uh-huh. It's like classic Dean, but also at this moment he's being observed and there's shots from like the other side of the one-way glass with like like 10 men watching him laughing at his jokes. It's like this is the mm. panopticon of Dean Winchester. <laughs> Objectification of Dean Winchester. Yes. I also think it's funny that uh, when, is it Pete who slams him against the wall? He has, like, yeah. <laughs> the thickest cop accent. He's like, you arrogant yeah. bastard. <laughs> <laughs> this is in Massachusetts, right? I don't know I don't know anything about the East Coast, but they both sound Bostonian to me. Deanna wait, and Pete. Wait, 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 wait. Isn't Boston in Massachusetts? Yes. Oh, fuck, you're right. <laughs> I'm you back to fifth grade. Like, uh, no, wait, wait, hold on. No, this isn't in Massachusetts. This is in Baltimore. That's Maryland. Is that close to Massachusetts? Yeah, nearby. Uh, yeah, it's around the same place, but it's not, like, the Baltimore accent is not Boston accent. Okay. They both sound very Bostonian to me, but also I've lived in Washington my whole life and forgot Boston was in Massachusetts, so yeah. take my words with a grain of sand. <laughs> it definitely, like, it's... It, it it's definitely he definitely sounds like uh I, he sounds like he could be a character in the wire which is my major mm-hmm. like association with baltimore so like it still fits valid my other note for being slammed against the wall well i have two more first of all where did the cuffs go he was handcuffed to the table and suddenly he slammed against the wall without like mm. being jerked off the table i don't know whatever oh uh, you um, found a continuity error it just doesn't make Congratulations. any sense and the other note is that um, first of all, there's another black nameless cop in this episode in this scene, and second of all, Dean's little face yeah. when he gets slammed against the wall. Uh-huh. I knew you were gonna comment on Dean's. Face <laughs> I have to. Somebody has to. Call him back to what episode one? It was the yeah. pilot. Yeah. The pilot. Dean's tits are real. <laughs> and he loves risky women. <laughs> uh, moving forward, when uh, Claire is haunting Linda in the ba- in the bathroom. The steam in the mirror, like when she's writing Dana mm. Schulps, I like. I really like that she's doing like the strokes of the letters out of order. She doesn't just write it; it's like mm-hmm. appears jumbled, yeah. which is very good no, effect. It's really cool. Yeah, that was a cool effect. I wonder how they did that. I also love. I love how Claire when, I just she's such a good ghost. She whenever she is the peak of like why I am afraid to look over my shoulder after mm. I watch horror movies of like. She pops up over your shoulder yeah. when you least expect, um, but also when you most expect, and it's really good. Also, uh, not everyone can see her equally, which I think is cool. She only manifests to people like individually, I think, because Sam, she is still there when Sam comes in and then like disappears, mm-hmm. but Sam never sees her. Yeah, uh, which is cool. Um, he's like, "Where, where is the ghost?" Woman. And Linda Blair's character is like, "She was right there." Yeah. Um... I think it that's where they figure out that she was pointing at a thing. Yeah, uh, being a death omen specifically mm-hmm. for a person. Yeah, they would attach themselves to that person. It would make sense that they could only be seen by that person. 
Yeah, and her putting her marks on their wrists as a way mm-hmm. of warning them also is cool. She's trying her best. And she's also, she's a really best. good ghost in that way of, like, she's really scary while also not being actually malicious. Like, she's just yeah. mm-hmm. she's doing her best. She's just, just like ominous. in Asylum, the ghosts that are really creepy, but they're yeah. not harmful. Yeah. I've been watching a Let's Play of Fatal Frame 2, which is a very good game for spooky ghosts. And a lot of the ghosts in that game are not trying to hurt you. They're just, like weird creepy things in the background that like scare you as the player but like you're not under any danger from them and i like ghosts in that mode Mm -hmm. when uh when linda finds um, her name is diana whatever when the cop finds sam uh she also asks like how are you how do you know this how do you have oh it was um how'd you get all this like crime scene photos and sam says you have your job i have mine (laughs) which is cute Mm -hmm. Um, and then when, when they're digging the body out of the wall, Sam says, like, this is bothering me because he's realizing that, you know, most ghosts don't want to be exercised. And she says, well, you are digging up a corpse. And he goes, no, that's pretty much par for the course. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh-huh, yeah. Acknowledging Again, all the banter. This weirdness. <laughs> he's like, yeah. All the banter between them is really good. Uh-huh. Um, I love when... Diana goes to talk to Dean in the interrogation room after she sees Claire and she's like, so, okay. And she like actually starts talking. There's a sign behind her that I think says that everything that goes on in this room is recorded. (laughs) Yeah, there's a big sign on the wall. And I'm like, okay, girl, sure. Okay. You're going to get fired uh, for this. Yeah. It's a great jail cell. It's like all like brick and mm-hmm. uh it's very oppressive. It's almost like a dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um when Pete is driving Dean uh, and he's like realizing something is wrong. Well Dean is. Uh Pete stops the van and Dean goes, Pete breaks so soon you might want to get your prostate checked. Like, Dean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm such a dick. And, like, Pete opens um, the door, and Dean's like, no, no, I'm going to stay here. You go do it. He's trying so hard. He's, yeah. Like, he can just joke his way out of getting shot. Right. Uh-huh. Um, the only other notes I have are about, like, the last scene where <laughs> Diana and Sam show up, and Pete's lines. Are we good to go to that? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, Pete says, uh... Just one more dead scumbag, no one will question it. And Dean and goes, Hey. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good line. That uh-huh. is very good writing. It's also very cute for Dean. <laughs> uh huh. And also, I assume that no one really bothered to investigate Claire's death because she was a convicted heroin dealer. Yep. So they probably assumed she OD'd or someone killed her for her drugs or yep. whatever, and no one cared when she was murdered by a cop so that he could hide his own wrongdoings. Um, and just the fact that he dehumanizes anyone he sees as a criminal, which is obviously something that people do in real life. Um, yep. Also a nice parallel it, to the boys really as fantasy them. cops. Yes. Yeah. It was just, it was really good to see it addressed, but also I wish, I always think this, but the episode could have leaned more into the A-cab angle. Yeah, I mean, it's never, it's never going to. We no, can, but we I can, can imagine. We could pluck out what tasty little ACAV morsels we can mm-hmm. from them, but at the end of the day, our boys are also fantasy cops. It's as true. Emma said. It's true. Yeah, it's like I, I did enjoy how explicitly like anti police this episode was, at least for maybe not anti police is probably going too far. Like mm-hmm. 
not pro police, I guess, of like, yeah, this is the kind of stuff that the cops do. But also at the same time, of course, we have uh, D- Diana. I gotta get that in my head. Um, who is this example of like a cop who wants to do the right thing? Yeah, it feels like very and, like, like that is not bad apple narrative. Like not that the institution itself. Yeah, is exactly, like, exactly, there are exactly. Bad cops which is being acknowledged, which is yeah. a step. And more except than cop for shows tend to do, but it's still like yeah enough. Except for some like standouts, yeah. That is that is if cop shows are going to go into that, it's always bad apples. It's never like institutional problems. Mm-hmm. And the bad apples always get taken down by another cop. Yep, yeah, which yeah, yeah is what happens in this episode. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I I guess this is the thing though. Is usually the bad apples are taken down via the system in most cases. Um, Not in Lucifer. <laughs> well, sh- sure. Um, but in this episode, like, I don't know if Diana's gonna continue being, like, being able to be a cop. She shot her partner. She's the only person that's there. There's, like, no, uh, like, she doesn't have anything on him, really, except for, yeah, because all the witnesses are dead. She, the only I witness think, is a ghost. I think, or, like, this is maybe just my read. I don't know if this is implied or if I made this up, but, like, I thought she was gonna have like a cover story in that you know the winchesters got pete's gun off of him overpowered her. yeah i guess that's true i guess that's true i guess that's true but she was also in like i'm sam does mention that she might lose her job yeah well and seeing as how dean escaped and there's all that weirdness they're definitely gonna look back through the interrogation tapes and see uh-huh. her asking about ghosts and <laughs> not if she deletes it first yeah that put her on no she deletes it for maybe she did that that's off true. screen <laughs> it's true that's true maybe maybe yeah on a lighter note oh, Dean's little roll to get out of the way is very cute uh-huh. adorable. and sam my notes say shut the fuck up this is a gift horse um when she's like Offering to let them Yeah, go. when he and wants Sam's to stitch like, on himself. Sure? <laughs> He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. It's great. It's like, Sam, buddy, you're innocent. Like, who cares about... Like, I I know this cop helped you, but also... Cop. It's yeah. her fault that you're in this situation to begin with. And then I just want to shout out the last exchange they have as they walk away. Dean says, does she look familiar to you? And yeah. Sam goes, no. And then <laughs> Dean says, you know what? I could really go for some pea soup right now. Which, Which <laughs> I've seen this episode probably four times over the course of my life. Granted, I've seen you never the looked up. I've seen, I only watched The Exorcist earlier this year for my okay. horror class. But like only just now did it click. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And then I was like, well, they made a big deal out of Linda Blair being in this episode. So I Googled uh-huh. her and I was like, Ow! <laughs> yeah. So that's fun. fun I'm very medicine. curious. I'm I'm very curious about like the backstory behind like why Linda Blair was like the guest star for this episode. Like I what like did they ask her? Like did she audition? Like I want to know because like if so, I wonder if they wrote that line in like afterwards once they knew that it was her. Because like nothing else, except for the fact that obviously she is haunted by a ghost. Nothing else is particularly like exorcist reference. Yeah, they we don't have more even sh- make a bunch we, of exorcist jokes. Yeah, we have more shining jokes in this episode than mm-hmm. exorcist jokes with the Dana Schulps being repeated over and well, over. They don't want to really Dean like goes, break like, the immersion too much by consistently reminding you that's true like, at the very end it's like ha that's did true. you notice this actress but like if it was in the middle of the episode yeah. it would be although also they worse. keep casting buffy characters as vampires they do they do <laughs> so 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. But it's interesting anyway. Mm-hmm. Fun episode uh, as as episodes go. Yeah, not, not like too much to dig into except for the cop yeah. stuff. But uh, it's okay. It's- Next episode has a lot to dig into. <laughs> Oh, hey, wait, wait, wait a second. I have I have another comment to make for this episode. I wrote in my notes, is, uh, how did they pronounce the name? Is it Giles or Giles? Giles, right? Giles. Thank you. I think it's Giles, yeah. Um, I was like, okay, is that a Buffy reference? I don't think so, because why would they do oh. that? And now, according to the notes, the the wiki um, trivia section says, Anthony Giles is likely a play on Anthony Head, who played Rupert Giles. So... Giles. Oh right, his name's so, Anthony because right, it's Tony. I forgot about the Anthony oh, that part, is... which makes which makes oh. it actually a reference. Yeah, that's beloved. cute. That's a fun little nod. Okay, anyway. we're gonna take a little break here and then come back with was written by Sarah Gamble. We open in Greenwood, Mississippi uh, in 1938. And we see a black man playing the guitar at a bar full of more black people than have ever been in Supernatural. Uh, He's (laughs) playing his guitar and then he is interrupted by ghostly dogs. He runs out and drops the guitar. He locks himself into some building. The door is rattling. It bursts open and the friends from the bar come in to find him shaking and dying on the floor. They call him Robert. He says something about black dogs and dies. Title card. Sam and Dean are at a diner. Sam says Dean is in the Fed's database with a warrant in St. Louis and Dean thinks that this is pretty cool. Sam does not think it's cool and he has no profile, which uh, Dean is... Dean says is makes him jealous. Um, they discuss a new case. <laughs> a man has jumped or fallen off of the top of a high-rise he designed two days after calling animal control, mentioning black dogs, which confused the authorities because they couldn't find any dogs. So they go interview somebody posing as reporters, and he says, Sean always got the tributes. I think it's implied these guys are gay. I'm not sure. It's subtextual i'm glad i wasn't the only one who got <laughs> okay that the, yeah <laughs> sarah gamble again yeah, i did get that vibe. anyway uh so 10 years ago at lloyd's uh sorry 10 years ago sean was working at lloyd's which is some like bar in town and he was like completely nothing and then his luck turned around he developed some sort of architectural genius he was famous and rich etc uh, so sam and dean go to animal control and get a list of complaint calls. Uh, Dean <laughs> hits on the receptionist and doesn't know what MySpace is. We'll talk about that. Uh, they go <laughs> interrogate a uh, uh, maid for a doctor who just pick, packed up and left, and she is the youngest in the in her position at the place, and she got the position 10 years ago, also after working, after spending the night at Lloyd's. And so we cut to the doctor who is at a motel. She is scared. She is hallucinating. It's very good. We will talk about it. Dean and Sam yeah. go to Lloyd's. Dean spots Yarrow at the crossroads, which she says is part of a summoning ritual. And so they dig up a little box of ritual stuff for demon deals. Uh, and so they decide that it is not black dogs, but hellhounds involved in these people's deaths. So we go back to the doctor who's being like shredded and dragged by a dog that we hear but don't see, which is a good effect. Back in 1930, we have some blues music playing. Robert from the cold open does the same ritual at the crossroads. And uh, 
then we see Sam talking about the Robert Johnson legend about making a deal with the devil, and Dean kind of despairs of Sam's ignorance of musical culture history. Uh, Dean is dismissive of the victims, saying it's their own fault, but he agrees to help, and so they go to George Darrow, who is a black man, for, and he is the next victim, and he is surrounded his room with some sort of black powder that Dean thinks is pepper, but turns out to be goofer dust as some, uh, hoodoo tradition. He tells them to keep some hoodoo, some goofer dust, which, keep that in mind, uh, George refuses help and says that it wasn't worth making the deal he got talent but not fame. He's surrounded by his paintings that nobody yeah, wants to that, buy. Oh, it's so good. It's good. heartbreaking. Uh, but he says that he was the one who summoned the demon, and then the demon stuck around after his deal making more deals, which is why all these other people had deals at Lloyd's. Um, and so he points them towards the next victim, Evan Hudson. Uh, George believes that he deserves hell, so he refuses to let them stop it from happening. Um, we cut to Evan, who's getting his wife out of the house. He also hallucinates with the same effect that the doctor had, so we know that his end is coming too. Uh, Dean and Sam arrive, and Evan says that he made the deal for his wife's sake, and Dean kind of is dismissive of that again, and Evan says that Julie was dying, he'd do it again. And Dean goes very quiet, and he says uh, he accuses Evan of doing it for himself, because how would Julie feel if she knew what he did? And we will definitely talk about this scene. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And Sam asks, are you all right? And Dean says, why wouldn't I be? Sarah Gamble blessing us again with good, ge- with, with good Dean content. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Dean plans to summon the demon and buy time for Evan, and Sam calls him on thinking that John made a deal for him. And Dean says, yeah, clearly it was my life for his soul. And so Dean summons the demon and gets her towards his car while Sam makes a goofer dust circle. And the demon confirms that John, in fact, did make this deal that we've already been talking about as if it was fact. Um, mm-hmm. And Dean offers himself to let Evan off of the deal, which also, by the way, is in the sex workshop set. <laughs> then uh, she notices that there is a giant devil's trap under the car because he's an idiot. And so she taunts him about how sad he is about John and promises uh, but is he an idiot? That, he, that she would be able to reunite them for 10 years she's offering this great deal for him and during this conversation they end up backed under a water tower which good job dean has a devil's trap painted on the underside of it uh, which is really good blocking like it's very subtle that they're moving yeah so dean starts the exorcism uh we go back and forth between dean doing this exorcism and sam and evan who are being chased by the not chased uh being attacked stalked by the hellhounds yeah the the circle of goofer dust breaks, and so they run. They're, like, holding the door, and the demon in the middle of the exorcism says, wait, and everything goes quiet with Sam and Evan. We cut back to Dean, who is in the middle of kissing the demon, because that's how you make a demon deal, uh-huh. which, is what, which is what we were laughing about when John made a deal with yellow eyes. That realization was um, very funny for me. <laughs> uh, and so that was Dean getting the demon to agree that in order to... Um, be let out of the devil's trap she will release evan from his contract without killing julie so they both get to live and um dean considers finishing the exorcism which the demon kind of pokes at him for like funny how i'm the trustworthy one but he does let her out and she again taunts him about john who is in hell for making a deal with the devil because that is what happens when you make a deal and um he threatens her he calls her bitch she 
pours black smoke out of her mouth because she is leaving her vessel. Yeah. Uh, Dean and Sam talk about this. Sam says that demons lie. Dean is extremely tormented. They have a conversation we'll talk about where they discuss John's legacy, and Sam says that they have to keep going for him. Uh, and Sam checks that Dean didn't really consider, you know, trading his soul back for John, and Dean does not answer. He turns up the music, and they drive off. Then, for the first time, they there's like yeah, a teaser there's a next for time on. next up, which mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate because it is spoilers i don't know why i didn't did watch it, it I'd yeah i'd rather not discuss it i'm used yeah, to anime next it. time on being extremely spoilery so i'm like i'm it not gonna i'm spoilery. not gonna do it i mean it was fun for me because i already knew what happened yeah. in the next episode but yeah. it was it was not a good move i don't like it so don't but worry I, I audience i'm fun, going into the next like, two episodes completely unspoiled <laughs> like it I don't know why they would do that. Did they like finally have enough films in advance that they were like, "Hey, well, we could do this." What Let's I was wondering it. is like, I don't know why they did that. This episode is pretty short, like the runtime. I wonder if they did it to pad the oh, runtime to forty minutes, because I think the actual episode itself know. is only thirty-eight minutes long. Let me double check that. It's thirty-nine minutes and thirty seconds. Which yeah, the uh, the recap takes up like another like minute and a half. It seems like. yeah, another minute and a half. So yeah, maybe they did it just to pad out the runtime. <laughs> yeah, that is. Do funny. they do um, recap? Do they like keep Eric doing recaps? Christie. I don't think they. I don't think so. It might happen again, but it's not a comedy. Oh, they. I. I want um, that must have been I'm it. I'm just picturing Kripke like Sarah. Please add another minute worth of writing, and she's like, No, do not disrespect. <laughs> someone has the to edit a my recap. vision. Go add in a preview for, of spoilers for someone else's vision. <laughs> I've cut. I, this ep- this is a clean, solid 39 minutes and 30 seconds. Nothing more needs to be added. I'm putting my pen down. <laughs> uh, so that was this Great episode. episode. Love this episode. It's a very good episode. Why? I knew you'd <laughs> love this episode. Yeah, why is going to have a lot of fun with this episode. We have mm-hmm. a long folklore corner that mm-hmm. I might not be around for, depending on time. Yeah. So, chronologically? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first note I have is this cold yep. open, my beloved. Yeah, it's really good. There's like nice cinematography while he's playing the guitar. There's like a close up on the fingers. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. good shots. I like it. Good guitar playing too. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that was like, I don't know whether that was the actor actually playing the guitar or whether they like dubbed that in later. But uh, you know, for for Robert Johnson, one of the greatest guitar players to have ever lived, uh, they they do a good job doing doing some some good guitar plucking. <laughs> yes. Um I liked I I both liked and also thought it was funny that like as he's playing he he's getting interrupted by like the sound of hellhounds which by the way uh hellhounds because of the Robert Johnson song Hellhound on My Trail is why it's doing this uh lots of Robert Johnson in this episode. Mm-hmm. They pl- they even play the only recording that exists of him playing Crossroad Blues later in the episode when he's at the crossroad making the deal, which I thought was cool. Uh, that's him singing. Anyway, um, yeah, when he's like keeps getting interrupted, is like looking around all scared. He like he runs, he leaves, and I'm like, buddy, why'd you go? Why'd you go outside? But like, I yeah. guess he's running back to his house, where I guess he would assume he'd be safer. Uh, but no, they get him. I kind of assume that. Either, like, he's trying to find safety or he knows that, like, he can't find safety and so he doesn't want whatever's about to happen to him to happen in front of all these yeah. people who don't want to Oh, be yeah, that's a good point. That's extra sad. Mm. Yeah, anyway, great, great cold open. Yeah, so with Sam and Dean, 
Dean is very impressed with himself for having <laughs> the feds on his tail. Uh-huh. And says, well, what do they got on you? And Sam, like, mutters, very annoyed. I'm sure they just haven't posted it yet. <laughs> it's really so, funny. They're here. so dumb. It's such a fun scene. Yeah. And, Dean, and then after this bit, uh, Dean goes, what do, they, what do you got on the case there, you innocent, harmless young man? You? <laughs> it's so cute. Love when they oh, make fun of each great. other. It's great. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, when they go talk to this architect or the friend of the architect who uh, killed himself, uh, Slash was killed by hellhounds. It's unclear. He might have killed himself to escape being killed by hellhounds, but regardless, um, it's really funny it to me. Say he, like, it doesn't say anything about him being like injured before he fell, but like, okay, without getting into mm, details. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, because they do. They do. Uh, tear people up um yeah anyway this guy when he's talking about how talented the architect was uh he he named drops van gogh and mozart which i was like why isn't he this guy's an architect why isn't he equating this to other architects who are also good like i know architects famous architects are less famous than famous painters and musicians but people know who frank lloyd wright is Maybe that's what Lloyd's is. Oh, hey, for. good point. I didn't think about that. Oh, no, 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 no. No, it's not. It's not. It's named after. No, I, I'm checking the trivia page. Yeah, it's no, not. it's named after a it's movie. From Crossroads yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah, it's named after a movie uh, vaguely about uh, Robert Johnson and, like, blues musicians uh, trading their souls for music, which, again, I will talk about the folklore of that later on. I love how Dean doesn't it's, know what my space yeah. is. He's so... 2017, handshake I was gonna say, like, I guess he's on the road all the time, but he does have a laptop, and he is, like, he does use it a lot. He, he doesn't, doesn't have, have any friends. friends. You're right. Pensive emoji. He thinks it might be a porn site. He does. He does. Which, I don't know how he would get that impression. That's not, the, that's not like, a name that sounds like that. He, he, he thinks, thinks it's OnlyFans. Yeah. Um, backtracking a little bit before... Um, to the guy talking about Sean. Um, the line about true geniuses, they seem to die young, don't they? To have that mm. kind of talent, why why just throw it away? Which is like a really loaded thing to say about people with talent and suicide. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Similar, similar to like, uh, I can't remember which episode it was, but when, oh, it was Hell House, so 117, um, when the girl who died in the haunted house uh somebody comments about how she was a straight a student why would she kill herself yep. like mm, don't like no mm-hmm. uh i do yeah. want to say i i'm actually gonna rescind what i said earlier because van gogh and mozart both died young I, which i guess is why he's bringing like frank Lloyd Wright did not there are probably architects who were very good who died young but if he's trying to reference like very famous talented people who did not live past their 30s uh, that's more understandable. Um, this guy, I mentioned, I'm, I got a gay vibe from him. Like, he says he kills himself, leaves me and his family behind. It's like, you're at that level, huh? Mm-hmm. You're a business partner uh-huh. for almost 10 years. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. His little, his little yeah. cardigan. He's uh, very upset and bitter. Yeah. It's fun subtext. It's interesting. Miss mm-hmm. <laughs> Gamble. She's she's so study. weird. Where is that quote? Hold on a minute. I mean, it may I not have quote. been intentional. You can very easily also just read these guys as like friends slash rivals, especially with how grumpy he is about like how popular his and good like his friend got in terms of his 
architecture, but also the reading is absolutely there. Mm-hmm. Sarah Gamble, maybe not intentionally, but she always just makes this show mm -hmm. so, so good. And she's so weird. Okay, I found it on the Supernatural Wiki site. Sarah Gamble's page says, on writing Dean, Dean is always has a great comeback line, so it's always fun to write him. Dean's introduction to us in the pilot was him hitting on his brother's girlfriend, specifically pointing out her boobs. It set a tone for him that's really fun for me. I think that somewhere inside, I'm a chick, and I've got my inner goth girl and my inner gay guy, and then I have this beer-swilling, cowboy boot-wearing guy all the way underneath that, and he gets to come out to write Dean, which is an insane fucking thing to say! That's so crazy! Miss Gamble?! <laughs> so the cowboy the cowboy has to climb through the gay guy to get to the top so that's why he's that way huh okay he gets to come I out does good for him <laughs> i i think I think being in the proximity of Supernatural just does something to you. I mean, also she's a writer and a all writers them. are messed up in the head says our writer that's true. That's true. It's true. We are not to be trusted. Such such a weird thing to say. So, like, it's so weird. Okay, <laughs> moving forward. Um, the maid for Dr. Perlman is an Asian woman who is purely an exposition yeah. dump. Mm, not, not ideal. Didn't like that. No. Um, I do like that the doctor looks terrible when she shows up. Yeah, she's, like, she's so scared. Her hair is a wreck. She looks like she's been shaking for six hours. Like, she's she's really good to costume and physicality. Yeah. Oh, and this is where I get to talk about the effect. Unless you want to do that. Yeah. Well, for, there's, like, this weird triple zoom cut on the knock. Like, there's a knock and it, uh -huh. like, cut, cut, cut to the door. And then they it's do it again. Cheesy. I guess they really like that effect. They do. I don't know. I was not impressed. Um, and then, yeah, you can talk okay. about the zombie face. Um, yeah, she like goes and opens up the door and like is talking to the guy who's like, I guess the the manager of the hotel is like, "Lady, you gotta pay your, you're gonna keep staying here, you gotta pay out." And she like goes to do that and turns back and looks at him and like his head contorts and like his mouth opens wider than it should and his skin gets this like gray pallor, uh, and then it just snaps back and he's normal again. Um, and it's terrifying. It's really good. It's a really good effect. Mm -hmm. She just, like, stares at him, and he's like, what's wrong with you? She's like, what, what's going on? She, like, throws the money at him. Yeah. And he's like, man, customers. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I also love how we get set up that she's this, like, really intelligent, put-together, mm -hmm. like, surgeon lady, and then when we she actually just... see her, she is absolutely There's a hellhound on her trail. <laughs> That, yeah, I know. I get yeah, it. It's no, just no. really good because she's got yeah. like crazy eyes. Yeah, the actress is really like acting her heart out in this role. Hasn't. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. Um, it's very. It's terrifying. The idea. This episode is so good with the fear of like no one being able to save you. Like you can be surrounded by people, <laughs> and like the people, like even the people who you were talking to, like can't see anything that's going on with you. Uh, like, later, um, like, Sam cannot see the Hellhounds, and we never see, um, we never see the Hellhounds in this episode, which I think is yeah, very smart, really uh, because they would probably look bad if uh, the show showed us them. <laughs> so oh, them yes. just being these, when, like, invisible okay, I guess threats. This is, I guess this is spoilers. Is cool. Eventually, 
The best the show does show hounds. us hellhounds, and they do look dumb, and they should have kept it without showing mm. them, because it's a cool effect when they don't show them. Yeah. In classic supernatural deterioration of cool aesthetics, they do, in fact, show us yep. hellhounds eventually. Mm-hmm. Not for a long time, though. Um, it's okay. Yeah, the, the bit where she gets attacked by them, and uh, her, like, pant leg gets torn, uh, and, like, her leg gets all scratched mm-hmm. up also is a really good effect. Next up, I have when they find the little box at the crossroads scene says Yahtzee. He does, yeah. Which is very cute of him. It's very cute. Also, his shovelfuls are, like, the wimpiest ever, presumably because they just kind of, like, the the... They went to the set and they just dug a little uh-huh. hole, put the box in there, and put a little bit of dirt and rocks on top of it. And we're like, okay, try not to like go crazy here. <laughs> it's like literally just like a handful of dirt in the shovel here. It's so funny. Uh, also, in the scene when they're talking, like once they discover that it's like deals with the devil, like I was very on Dean's side, or like especially early in this episode where he's like, it's trying to stop someone who like went over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Like they knew what they were getting into. They made the they made deals with the devil. This is what happens when you make a deal with the devil. But also, of course, part of his yeah. anger, as we we know and learn more explicitly later on, is about the fact that this is Dean projecting his anger at John. Yeah, when the demon shows up for the first time, uh somebody, is it Robert? Yeah. He starts to say, like, holy, yeah. like, holy shit, or yeah. holy fuck, or whatever it is. Uh, and she goes, holy, and her eyes turn red, and she says, guess again. Uh, which is nice. I always like when demons play with that, and the eye effect is always Crossroad cool. demon eyes. <laughs> they are, like, the second they are coolest. Good. They are good. Third coolest. They're very good. Demon eyes. By the way, um, this, uh, this demon that Robert Johnson talks to uh, is Taylor from Hookman. Yep. Yep. Oh. Yeah, she's back. <laughs> The two, the two times they got this actress was to play, like, someone who was like, okay, we need someone who is very hot. That's all she gets to do, which is upsetting to me, but... Yeah, she's evil and slutty. I don't know yep. she's evil in Hookman, but but she is, she is portrayed as a bad influence. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Niagara line, but he also says, uh, nobody put a gun to their head and forced them to play Let's Make yeah. a Deal. I love when Dean is just incapable of talking like a normal person. (laughs) He communicates purely through metaphor and Mm -hmm. reference. He is at Darmok where the walls (laughs) go. Like, he just lives there. And then, yeah, they go talk to this uh, painter who... Let me pull up his name. Uh, Where is he? George Darrow. George. Uh, Yeah, they go talk to George... Uh, who is a great character. I really like him. He's so sad. Uh, he is what I fear for my own life. <laughs> Just this guy who is creating extremely good art, languishing in complete obscurity, like knowing he's going to die and being like, well, it's going to happen. I just got to finish this one last thing before I go. It's so like gloomy. And his like studio is so gloomy too it's like art studios need good light but this guy is just like sitting here in like mostly darkness just like painting in the dark in this like kind of rundown old apartment just surrounded by really good paintings i'm curious where the paintings came from this episode um like who did them or where they got them but regardless uh yeah just the, the I mentioned it already, but the should have asked for fame, like not talent, is just hurts me. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I love this character. His vibes are great. He's so tragic. Yeah, Sam. Um, the actor does a really good mm-hmm. job. Yeah, Sam says, "You don't really want to die," and George goes, "I don't," and pauses <sighs> and goes, "I'm tired," oh, and it's really man, good buddy. in like a very sad way. And also, like mm-hmm. he gives them his goofer dust because he does. He knows he doesn't need it anymore, which is like extra heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. This this guy reminds me a lot. Sorry, I'm gonna <laughs> do the thing that I do of the Vincent and the Doctor episode. <laughs> Which obviously is based off of uh-huh. Vincent Van Gogh, like in real life, and how he, you know, was very obscure yeah. and disliked uh, while he was alive. He was very poor, uh, and so this guy kind of reads to me as a Van Gogh mirror. Yeah, I can um, see that, especially because Van Gogh was referenced earlier in this episode. Mm-hmm. Also, when they're when they're going into the uh, when they're going into the apartment, Dean says, "This house probably ain't, ain't up next on MTV Cribs, is it?" Which is funny. Oh god, that's such an aughts reference. <laughs> yeah. Like if you showed that to literally anyone younger than probably 25, they would have no fucking clue. <laughs> I only know that because my older brother is 7 years well, old. Well, I'm 24 and I got it. So I guess I was right at the <laughs> right at the I'm right in the Yeah, age you range. were right right there. Also, I really like um when George gives them the goofer dust and they just like they're like, what the fuck is that? And he says, What, you boys think you know something about something but not goofer dust? It's so funny. I love this guy. Uh when they when they show up to Evan's house, there's an exterior shot with a beware of dog sign, which is very Oh funny. yeah. That's pretty good. Um and then when Dean is like kicking doors down, Sam stops him with like a little dude no face and <laughs> just opens the door. <laughs> It's really good. I also love how when Evan slams the door on them, Dean goes, come on, we're not demons. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. so cute. real quick, going back to George for just a second. Um, one more line read he does that I thought was really good is uh, sometimes a person makes their bed. They just got to lie down in it. And he says it in such like a tired, resigned sort of way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a really good character. And then, yeah, we go on to Evan. Uh, and th- we get the horrified, we get an even scarier version of the, like, face effect thing with his wife, Julie, that's, like, extra scary because she's his wife, and it's, like, she does it, she, like, she's leaving, and she goes, hey, sweetie, and, like, turns around, and then that happens, and then she says, I love you, too, like, snapping back to normal, and it's so good. And he's just, like, what? he just watches her leave, like, horrified. Dean calls Evan buddy boy, which is extremely cute. Mm-hmm. Oh, also Evan says, I got some bills to pay, which is very good, like, foreshadowing <gasps> slash, like, him. Yeah, uh-huh. <sighs> yeah, great line. Yeah. Uh, Evan says, I don't want to die, and Dean says, of course you don't, not uh-huh. now. And Sam's like, Dean, stop. Um, And he says that he um did it to save his wife, who had cancer, and so he says... Yeah, I made the deal, and I'd do it again. I'd have died for her on the spot. And Dean says, did you ever think about her and all this? And Evan mm. says, I did this for her. And Dean says, you sure about that? I think you did it for yourself, so you wouldn't have to live without her. But guess what? She's going to have to live without you now. But what if she knew how much it costs? What if she knew it cost your soul? How do you think she'd feel? And Sam's like, okay, This is what enough. we in the biz call subtext. <laughs> yeah, it's really good subtext, because at no point do they sit down and say, I'm sad because dad. Yeah. I mean, they did. That, they do at the very the end, scene. but not in the scene, which is fine. You can make some text explicit later on. That's allowed. Yeah, I mean, we've got a formula to follow here. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then when Dean suggests summoning it, Sam says, "Summon? are you nuts? And Dean does like this little click with his tongue and he goes, maybe a little. <laughs> it's adorable. He's so cute. I also think it's very funny that when he's summoning the demon, he uses his animal control ID card for the ritual. Like, oh, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that. That's really good. I did notice that it was a ripped up version of one of his IDs. I didn't catch that it was the animal control one. That's great. Yeah, he's like, good. don't need this one anymore. <laughs> they have all that weird subtext about demon deals as sex. Yeah, they do. Yeah. For the like, first time uh, in the car. Yeah. When the demon flashes her eyes at him, her voice takes on the same like waver reverb that uh, the yellow-eyed demons does. Just for a second. I feel like really this episode good. was maybe, uh, like, I still honestly don't fully understand demons in terms of, like, I, it feels like this episode <laughs> almost forgot that demons need a host to manifest because of how they just appear at the crossroads. Does, like, the demon just grab whatever, like, the sexiest person who's nearby is? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, and the, I don't, how do they show up so quickly? Well... Do you want an answer? Because I have Oh, there's an answer? An answer? Okay, I, no, then it's fine. Well, I have an assumption of an answer. It's not, like, codified in text. Uh, if it's not codified, like, then tell me. It's So what I assume is that she was vibing at some other dive bar or somewhere else on Earth, like, fucking up shit. Because, like, demons don't like being in hell. They don't go back there on holiday, you know? If they get onto Earth, they stay there usually mm. until somebody sends them back. Okay. Um, so she was probably somewhere else on Earth, and then Dean summoned her, and she flew there or teleported okay. there or whatever. Demons, demons could teleport. Know. Okay. Yes. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, it was kind of Demon, unclear. Well, demons can teleport unless there's something stopping them from doing so, yeah. like a devil's trap. Yeah. It's kind of, I guess it was unclear to me whether a crossroads demon is summoned up from hell or summoned from the world i guess but i guess yeah i guess that that actually suddenly makes things make sense because at the end when he was threatening her to send her back i'm like isn't that where they live but if she was already in the world that makes sense Mm -hmm. that's why when bobby says more and more demons are walking among us yeah (laughs) among us among us But, yeah, more demons are getting out of hell, meaning it's easier. Yeah, okay. Um, this stuff does get, like, fleshed out in camera. Yeah, I, just, I figured. I after watching 15 years of this yeah. fucking show. No, I appreciate the context. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also think it's funny that demon's like, so you know who I am, and the demon says- I got the newsletter, yeah, yeah, yeah. This demon is so demons fun. have to be funny bitches. It's a requirement yeah. of the job. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. She's great. Oh, uh, this- fits right in okay i'm gonna give a little folktale uh folklore corner preview of the uh the cross making deals at crossroads uh is often very much associated with trickster stories and like outsmarting uh the being that you make a deal with at the end uh and so she really is fulfilling that trickster archetype i feel with like how jokey she is uh the sort of like offers she makes it's it's cool i also like how um, after Dean offers himself and she tells him about the deal and notices the devil's trap, then she starts taunting him and says, and Dean, Dean says, oof, okay, I just noticed the transcript says more pleading than defiant. <laughs> Take your best shot. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, the editorializing says, in these transcripts sometimes. It's good. Ouch. So the demon says, no, I don't think so. I'm not going to put you out of your misery. And Dean says, yeah, why not? And Dean's, the demon says, because your misery is the whole point. It's too mm-hmm. much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. 
which is extremely good and especially fun on like a meta narrative level of like the fact that we are having fun watching Dean and yep, Dean. Yeah, it's really true. Mm-hmm. We're all a bunch of sickos. Anyone who likes stories is a sicko. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, also earlier when Sam's sprinkling the goofer dust around, uh, Evan looks at him and is like, you serious? And I'm like, dude, you made a deal with a demon. Like, it's the same situation as, uh... This guy showed up saying he can help you, and you're like, that's such a weird way to help yeah, me. Yeah, like, uh-huh. It's wild. Dude's little lip wobble. It's really good lighting in the scene also. I said Jack Dean Joyce's. I was yeah. just gonna say, it's the same situation with Andy, the previous, like, a couple episodes ago of, like... I, oh, there's yeah. a magic Death thing visions. in my life, but it's weird that other magic things exist, too. Yeah. I love how the demon actually seems surprised that Dean double-crossed her, like, literally. Uh-huh. Like, what did you expect? <laughs> First of all, he's a hunter. Second of all, he's Dean Winchester. Like, <laughs> you said you, you didn't hear him. what happened to Meg? <laughs> I guess, like, uh, she says she's, I, oh, I was just ahead. gonna say, demons keep their word is, I guess, like, a thing about them, right? Like when you make a pact Crossroads. as a demon, well, it demons happens. demons lie, but not in yeah. a deal. Yeah. So that's a contract. I, maybe that's why she's like aghast. Is that like there was a deal here, and Dean's like doubling back on it? Well, they didn't. They didn't no. kiss, so it wasn't. Oh, clear. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. She's just, just like so lying. Is it's like when when they trick Meg. It's like lying exactly. is supposed to be my thing. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Maybe demons are just really stupid. Yeah, well. Um, <laughs> she says she's got a soft spot for lost puppies and long faces. Uh-huh, it's a great line. Very funny from a demon and also, like, very mm-hmm. cute. Um, also, this is when it gets confirmed that in order to seal a demon deal, you have to kiss uh-huh. the demon. <laughs> Which... Well, that was that was confirmed in Robert's. Yeah. Deal. Yeah. Yeah, I meant in this episode. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, just just as a reminder... To everyone, because yep. I think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of John, speaking of John, yeah. he even says like, um, "Your dad would live a long and natural life, like you was meant to," which is a very funny thing to say about a hunter. Yeah, famous. Yeah, I was like, "Is this a trick? Like, is this is this the monkey's paw thing of like a natural life?" And his natural life would be to like die in a week's time, being killed by like a vampire mime. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna kill you, Wyatt. <laughs> anyway, uh, so she also refers to bringing John back and then killing Dean as setting things straight, putting things back in their natural order, mm-hmm. and you get ten extra years on top. That's a bonus. But the setting things straight makes me crazy. Yeah, like the fact that Dean agrees with her, even though he obviously isn't doesn't do it. But yeah, my, like it's not setting things it. straight. He doesn't admit to it, but he does consider it. He's he considers like the rightful order of yeah. things to be that he should be dead and it, John should be alive. And it's not the rightful order of things though Which, because like, he was killed by a de- by a de- demon. Exactly. There was already meddling. Well, I was thinking about that today. The re- like I was trying to figure out like what is it that made Dean the main character suddenly and it's because they chose to make Dean the one dying in two weeks. Yeah. If they had done that to Sam, he would be the main character yeah. still at least for longer. But the fact that Dean is the one with all this John angst makes him like much more emotionally interesting to mm-hmm. put into situations. Mm-hmm. And Sam is just kind of riding Dean's train in this story. Like yeah. Sam has his own plot that was going to continue and pick up, but like in the meantime, Dean is completely taking over the show. Just yeah, he's the one who actually had things happen to him, and Sam is just yeah. Because Sam's relationship with Jessica had nowhere near as much like interesting baggage as a person who's dead than Dean's relationship to John. Mm-hmm. 
Sam has plots, but Dean is I redacted. And like you know, it's such an interesting choice to have made to make Dean the one dying into one because the plot mm-hmm. would have worked pretty much the same if Sam, if John had sold his soul for Sam if he would have done that. Um, which we will get to see if, whether or not that is a viable option. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, assuming that would have happened and then the season could continue as roughly as planned, then we would have had, instead of Sam and John fighting, we would have had Dean and John while Sam is passed out, which also would have been really interesting, and I want to see yeah. that episode. Yeah, that's an interesting mm-hmm. like AU that probably someone has written. Oh, probably. Because, like, it's such a turning point for Dean being the main character because every choice made in seasons two and three is because of that one moment. Yeah. And then season mm-hmm. three leads to season four in which Dean is officially yeah. the main character. Yeah. I mean, I say officially. Like, the CW doesn't and, recognize my authority. Uh-huh. And, I mean, then it gets, like, retconned a little bit as, like, always being kind of inevitable or, like, not being inevitable, but being purposeful, mm. which we will get into. Interesting. <laughs> but oh god yeah, it's this a show, show about the brothers <laughs> shut the fuck up jared padalecki <laughs> gonna fucking hunt you for sport um i love the metaphysical implications that crossroad because she stopped the she was able to stop the hellhound yeah um which implies that the hellhounds and dean also figured that if he exercised her then the Hellhound would also be called off. So this implies that crossroad demons, when they become crossroad demons or when they're assigned to be crossroad demons, don't know how that works exactly. Yeah. But the they are given hellhounds that are attached to them. So when like the demon gets the job, they get a puppy or, <laughs> or something, which is really fun to think about. That's so cute. Love that for them. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like a guarantee that the hounds would stop but he figured like even if we can't save Evan at least she would no longer be able to make deals with anyone mm-hmm. else that's true I drew a really fucked up emoji that I'm gonna send in the <laughs> it was supposed to be a grimacing emoji but it's fucking terrifying good I'll post that in the um, episode I really description like when, mm-hmm. when um Dean drops the act or uh stops pretend stops trying to go along with her. Yeah. I don't I don't want to use the word act because he's not entirely acting. Yeah. But um when he's he stops <laughs> lying is like ninety percent truth you or whatever. Throw in a set of steak knives, which is so it's, funny. It was very Looking funny. Go. I really like the effect of like the floor scratches when the hellhound is invisible so you can yeah. kind of track mm-hmm. its movement and like it's coming towards them in like a really threatening way, but you still don't even get to see it. You just see the effect of it, which is Yeah the show cool. loves this effect. Mm-hmm. This is the third time they've used it. <laughs> Although this Very time good. it's claw marks instead of a single scratch line. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not the um, hookman or what was the other thing that did No it? exit. Yeah. H.G. G. whatever his name is. H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah. yeah, that was like a crack in the wall or the ceiling. This is like scratches on the floor from giant claws. It's a really good effect. They, they mm-hmm. use it to good effect every time it comes yeah. out. Yeah. Um, then the conversation at the end... Um, Dean says, how could he do it? And Sam says, he did it for you. And Dean says, exactly, which makes me fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Dean asks, how am I supposed to live with that? Um, he should have gone out fighting. That was supposed to be his legacy. You know, not bargaining with the damn thing. Not this. And Sam's like, how many people do you think dad saved? 
just kind of a deflection, but also yep. he's making a point about legacy. I love the um, line that was supposed to be his legacy, like Dean's own like picture of his dad in his head and the way he looks up to him and the way he like has modeled himself after John. Yeah, and like this line in in contrast with the demon's life line about a long and natural life, like Dean's version of how that John should have died is not like oh he's you know old and in bed surrounded by grandchildren he's like he should have gone, should out, have fighting. gone out fighting that's yeah. what should have happened to john because dean has fucked up little hunter problems mm-hmm. or i mean we've talked about how much dean wants them to go back to having a normal like a quote-unquote normal life whatever of which they're able to get like previously what he may mean here is like instead of making a pact with a demon at least he should have gone down fighting but it could yeah. be read either way. Like if it, if he was going to die to the demon, yeah, it should, it should have, have been fighting. Been having yeah. a fight, yeah. uh, and then we have like a close up on Dean as he puts the radio up much higher, and it's really yep. good. Yeah, good ending, and and then we get the very weird like, oh, next time on, okay, wasn't expecting that. Yeah, um, and we will not discuss the no. the next time on because it's full of no. Fun. We can maybe talk about it next time if we have time slash want to bother with it, but. I'll probably go watch we'll it after the next two the episodes whole... just to see how spoilery it is. Well, there's spoilers in there for the whole season. Oh, well, oh okay, never mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like several Oh, that's bizarre. Those. Okay. Mm-hmm. They just like And they're not even like anything. subtle out of context spoilers. They're just straight up. Incredible. Yeah, it was very strange. Like, I watched it. I was like, what are they going to tell me? It was not good decisions. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. All right, is it time? Is it time for me to get my little smoking pipe and my little reading glasses out? Yes, can yes, go you off. have 15 minutes. Okay, all right, go. okay. <laughs> and then I um, so my knowledge here, uh, to preface, comes from two books, uh, Beyond the Crossroads by uh, Adam Gussow, is I think how you say that surname, uh, and Mojo Workin by Katrina Hazard-Donald. Uh, I wish I had more time to read Mojo Workin, because it's really cool and also is written, it's not like, it's an academic text, but it's not written in like really impenetrable prose. Uh, also, it's only like eleven bucks, like the ebook version. So I would recommend if people want to know about the history of like voodoo uh, slash hoodoo in uh, like the American South, I would definitely recommend checking it out. It's very cool. Um, anyway, okay. So briefly, uh, to go over the UK version of like the Crossroads, which I'm sure people are more familiar with, but just like as setup. Uh, so the crossroads uh, in a lot of like places in the UK and Europe in general are a like profane liminal place where the bodies of criminals were often buried or hanged uh, because the crossroads mark the border of a community. And so if you're going to like if someone is a criminal, like they're not to be buried in the community graveyard, they're buried outside at the boundary at the crossroads, uh, which gives them a reputation for being haunted. Uh, as a place where, like, evil spirits lurk, uh, and as Christianity got uh, involved and spread throughout Europe, uh, had them associated with the devil. Uh, And there's a long history of, like, witchcraft and stuff being done at the crossroads. Um, But meanwhile, uh, for the Congo people in Africa, the crossroads are also an important place, but not a profane place. Uh, They are instead a sacred place, uh, representing the center of the sacred cross of the Congo cosmogram uh, of like life, death, and rebirth and stuff. Um, so we have these like two disparate but simultaneous like uh, 
place like places of important of religious importance but from opposite angles um and also like s sort of sideline connected to this is the uh ginen ginen i'm i'm so i apologize for my pronunciation pronunciation in this but uh papa legba in uh haitian voodoo uh who came out of the uh dahomeans slash yoruba diaspora uh, and is a god slash spirit associated with crossroads and calling up spirits and stuff at them. Um, and often animal sacrifices and stuff would be done at the crossroads. Um, I have an interesting example here, uh, though content warning for brief description of a kind of gruesome animal death. Uh, feel free to skip ahead like a minute if you don't want to hear that. But uh, from the book um, Mojo Work In, Hoodoo had its ritual practices and had achieved some degree of consistency with respect to philosophy and material culture. Though limited ritual animal sacrifice, sometimes performed at the crossroads, persisted. One observer leaves us this account from 1891. One terribly hot Sunday afternoon, as I was sitting on the piazza, uh, I happened to see, at some distance through the pine grove, Uncle Robert and his two little grandchildren, and at first could not determine what they were doing. I soon saw that the children were picking up leaves and small sticks and putting them on a pile under Uncle Robert's direction, and presently I noticed a little smoke rising from it. Wondering what it could mean, I walked out towards them and saw a pile of leaves and twigs around a small stake, the whole burning by that time quite briskly. Isn't it hot enough today, Uncle Robert, without building a fire? What are you doing? Uh, I'm offering a sacrifice. A sacrifice? What do you mean? Well, you see, Mr. Gus, the distemper has got among my chickens, and they are dying off fast. Now, when that happens, if you take a well one and burn it alive in the fork of the path, it will cure the rest, and no more will die. Uh, which is a really interesting... I wanted to read that example as a example of, like, a ritual that like is to do good things like this is for the health of the chickens that like clearly you can see how um the idea of this being like a devil worship thing would spread throughout like christian communities of like an animal sacrifice at the crossroads being and with the crossroads being connected to the devil uh in europe and so yeah like hoodoo got blurred together in many places with christianity uh, and this idea of doing rituals at the crossroads soon became demonized both by, like, white and black people within the church. Um, and then, like, the blues, as it came along, uh, often in Christian black communities, was called the devil's music because of its association with, like, drinking and gambling and so on, uh, which led to a counterculture of embracing those criticisms. There were blues musicians like, um, uh, blues musicians like Tommy Johnson, who explicitly bragged about having sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads, and that's why his music's so good. Uh, all, but also, it's unclear whether Robert Johnson ever did that. Tommy Johnson, I don't think any relation to Robert Johnson. And then, yeah, uh, to read this from Beyond the Crossroads. Associating oneself with the devil was, at least potentially, a source of usable power for a blues performer, a form of subcultural one-upsmanship that could also translate into profitable mystique on the streets and in the jukes. And then back to uh, Legba, because this is really interesting, and I'm almost done here. Uh, writing about a series of folktales collected in, and uh, sorry for the phrasing here, this is anthropology, the book Folk Beliefs of the Southern Negro, Adam Gusso writes... Over the past 50 years, despite the sort of scholarly parsing I've offered here, the association of Robert Johnson with the blues with a devil pact at a Mississippi Delta crossroads has come to seem natural and inevitable, as though the man and the music were of a piece with the folklore. 
and of course they are, but only if one is speaking of the white folklore that has emerged during that period, a time in which white romanticism about such things has come to dominate the popular imagination. The African-American folklore of an earlier era, a large and unruly body of material in which Cousin Leroy's recording and Tommy Johnson's account were both sourced, tells a more complex story. And then he goes on to say, uh, although Puckett's Tale and a handful of Hyatt's, which is that book I mentioned earlier, are about improving one's guitar skills with the help of the devil, many of Hyatt's tales involve other instruments, banjo, fiddle, accordion, piano, and a fair number concern non-musical pursuits through which impoverished, oppressed African-Americans can gain a hand up such as improving one's gambling skills, evading the police, and escaping from jail. None of the accounts come from Mississippi, although that may simply be because Hyatt didn't visit there. None of the informants, not a single one, mention blues, nor does the phrase the devil's music show up in these accounts. Although the devil's connection with music, his conferring of instrumental prowess in non-sanctified forms of music more specifically, is a notable theme. Several of Hyatt's tales feature subjects who curse God and swear fealty to the devil. Although Midnight at the Crossroads is a characteristic time and place for devil encounters, the hour called morning, dawn or near dawn, is even more common, and graveyards are an important secondary location. Multiple visits, generally seven or nine, are almost always required in order to complete the transaction. Seven or nine visits is such a big number, by the way. Reading that bit, like, baffled me. It's really interesting. Um, in the great majority of these tales, however, the transaction with the devils interpreted in a way that undercuts any Faustian idea of eternal damnation. None of the narrators makes even a token attempt to convey the horrors that are routinely alleged to have haunted Robert Johnson. Most of the tales, in fact, treat the devil figure as a conferrer of talents who fades from the picture after gifting the petitioner. In three of Hyatt's tales where the devil does return after a stipulated period of time to stake his claim, the pact maker is able to trick him quite easily by giving him a piece of a shoe leather, a soul rather than the promised soul. I get very trickster narrative. It's great. Um, several other informants describe easily reversible crossroads pact in which one can simply throw down a guitar and walk away from the devil to break the tie, or alternately go right back to the same crossroads and make a vow to reform. That's all you have to do is make a vow there? Asks Hyatt of his Florida informant, incredulous. Nothing else? Who is this devil of the crossroads? A fear-inducing soul-snatcher one moment, an empowering teacher the next? Over the decades, a scholarly consensus has emerged that traces his bifurcated character in African-American folklore to his Creole origins in both Europe and Africa. Or at least a scholarly consensus should have emerged, especially where Puckett's and Hyatt's crossroads tales are concerned. What has happened instead is that the African cultural origins of the African-American crossroads story and the devil figure at its center had come to be overemphasized, at least among blues scholars, perhaps to compensate for a corresponding overemphasis of the Foss theme by a general public hungry for horror stories about poisoned bluesmen barking like dogs. This process began innocently enough with Zora Neale Hurston, the devil, she wrote in Mules and Men, of the figure she'd encountered in the folk tales of the Florida blues people, is not the terror that he is in European folklore. In Myths of the Negro Past, anthropologist Melville, Melville Herskovitz reiterated Hurston's insight. So different is this trickster-like creature from Satan as generally conceived, indeed, that he is almost a different being. And he attributed that difference to the survival in the African-American folk mind by way of slavery's transatlantic cargoes of Legba, the trickster deity from Dohemian Yoruba mythology who rules the crossroads. 
So yeah, just like really interesting history of these deals being made, often not being framed in the way that this episode frames it and the way the common Robert Johnson myth goes, which by the way, Robert Johnson was very good because he was trained by the also very good blues musician Ike Zimmerman. He like this is all sensation like because of the uh, like worry about the blues at the time of being this thing associated with the devil that like really spread out uh, and so on. And so, yeah, because this episode is so sensationalist in that way and supernatural treats it as true that Robert Johnson did make a deal with the devil. I just wanted to like dig into like a lot of where, where this stuff that supernatural is playing with comes from and point out that the actual history of, like, deals at the crossroads is a lot more complicated than just, like, making mm -hmm. Faustian yeah. bargains, you know? Hell yeah. I do need to run, um, so yeah. do the outro without me. Okay. That was really cool. Mm -hmm. I'm, glad, I'm glad you got the chance to listen to it. Yeah, we will, we will end yeah. the episode without Emma. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless, um, do, we, do we have anything else to say? Because I could stick around for another, like, minute if we have nothing else. I don't think I don't think do. so. Yeah, I'm just going to do actor facts and then we can close out. Okay, run. <laughs> um, okay, very quick actor facts. I mentioned uh, Christy Lang, uh, Taylor from Hookman. Uh, also, the actress who plays Julie, uh, Evan's wife, uh, Leia Cairns, is racetrack on Battlestar Galactica. Uh, earlier, I forgot the previous actor facts. Um, the, uh, what's her name? Uh, Karen uh, is played by Keegan Connor Tracy, who is uh, Professor Lipson uh, in The Magicians. Uh, oh, I knew I recognized yeah, her. Yeah. Um, also, Evan's actor, Vincent Gale, uh, plays uh, the character Flesh in Van Helsing, who's apparently an important character. He's a vampire in that. Uh, he's also in The Snowpiercer Show and Midnight Mass. And that's it. That's everything. Yeah. Next time we're doing Croatoan, which I think we'll have a lot of fun talking about. Uh, I don't want to give a whole lot away. And then followed by Hunted, um, which is another kind of plot episode. So yeah, thank you all for listening. Hell yeah. Uh, until next time, please remember to rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you have any questions or if you just want to talk to us, feel free to shoot us an email and ask or tweet at us at Word of Godcast this week instead of driving off we just turn up the music oh hey i forgot we actually have outro music this is perfect yeah we, yeah we'll turn up the music and ignore all of our problems uh everything's fine don't worry about it The Last Ones by Jazar on freemusicarchive.org. Licensed under an attribution share alike 3.0 international license. Find the link in the episode description.